What is up, everybody? We are back with another episode of the Fetch It podcast with somebody very near and dear to my heart, a fellow Fort Wayne native, Sarah King. How's it going, Sarah? Doing well, David. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing good. Can you tell the listeners, for those who don't know you, can you tell us uh, who is Sarah King, who is the notorious Instagram handle associated with Sarah King, and uh, tell us a little bit of the backstory. Um, yeah, so I'm Sarah. For people who don't know, on Instagram, I go under at Nerds Guide Defy. And so I kind of built out my little Instagram following in that corner of the world. I started out, so I'm from the middle of nowhere, actually. So I'm kind of a Fort Wayne move in. So I'm from the little town of like Shipshawana, Indiana. Actually, my parents live in Walkettville, which is even smaller. No one knows how to pronounce it. So I grew up in like cornfields. And so technically I'm like in the big city in Indiana standards, which is ridiculous because Fort Wayne's also really small. But yeah, so I started out on Instagram as like a crazy deep Ramsey person and have totally transitioned into real estate and kind of I'm like a very bad Dave Ramsey dropout. But I have kind of these budgeting financial independence roots, which is where I started. And yeah, so now I am building essentially financial independence through real estate. And the Dave Ramsey version was really boring. And so literally out of boredom is how I'm now a real estate investor, essentially. I, first of all, Dave Ramsey's a huge beast, but he hates <laughs> debt. So like real estate is all about debt. So where right. did you have, I just have to ask, where did the brain go? Aha. Everyone's origin story at some point has rich dad, poor dad in it. So I feel like that was probably a turning point. And the other turning point was, so I've read all these books, learn how to invest in like index funds and do 401ks and IRAs and all that good stuff, which if you want to talk about, we won't talk about that today. But anyway, and then it was like, wow, this is going to be super boring. Like you read a couple books, you know how to invest, you're doing it, it's automated. If you check your ego at the door, it should all be automated. You shouldn't be actively choosing stocks ever. And so it becomes extremely boring to not do anything tangible. And so I was like, okay, cool, what's next? And so we actually met with a financial advisor. There was a family friend and kind of looked over investing and real estate was kind of the jet fuel that would kind of get me faster. So real estate was the answer of how do I do it faster because super saving is boring. And actually my ex-husband was kind of more interested in real estate, which we can go into that if you want. But I learned, I essentially became a accidental landlord in a way. It was intentional, but I never thought I'd be doing it all by myself and ended up kind of taking over our five properties we had for a time and learn how to manage, learn how to do contractors out of necessity, YouTube my way through some DIY projects and home repairs. And it was like, oh, this is kind of fun. This is really badass. Like I can pretty much figure anything out and it's pretty easy to figure out houses. And so I love to just have something hands-on to actually do besides index funds. And so that became my rocket fuel of how do I do this faster? I'm bored. And the rest is kind of history. And now I'm all in with like over a million dollars in real estate debt. So there we go. <laughs> we love debt. So yeah, love debt now. So, Careful whenever, use of debt. <laughs> so did you, whenever you started out your your Instagram, you know, world with Nerds Guide Defy, um, yeah. were you like no real estate at that time or were you starting to get into the real estate world? Oh, so you started out Dave Ramsey. I started then... Dave Ramsey all the way. Okay. So I started because of a couple friends of mine. One of the girls were still really good friends. We were both. So I would work at Parkview, which is for anyone that doesn't know Fort Wayne, Indiana. That's like our giant health system here. And so I'd work there. And then I'd drive after work, literally change on the way. Like if you like passed me on the highway, you'd be like, what is she doing in her car? It was very sketchy. And so <laughs> I would change into clothes and go waitress. And so I started paying like 
I was waitressing and paying off my car because I was very big into cars and I'm kind of a car person. And so I waitressed and paid off my car and I would do posts weekly on how much like tips I made. And I like would do these, you know, debt payoff posts and countdowns and things. So that's literally how I started. So smart. I, nobody <laughs> ever talks about where, where they started making content. That's cool. Yeah. So, so uh, a few of my OG followers will remember my like waitressing debt payoff <laughs> posts and stuff. It was pretty funny. So was there, was there, uh, we're kind of like focusing on an Instagram. We'll get back yeah. to real estate, everybody, but I'm just, I'm really interested <laughs> in it. Um, Cause you got what, like 36,000 followers, 37,000 followers now, something like that. I don't even know where I'm at. I'm so, really bad at tracking metrics. So I'm at 34.6. 34 point. Congratulations. That's amazing. Check so when did, when, when did the like, uh, like hockey stick happen for uh, Instagram? Was there like a certain like time frame that like things started happening or was it just slow, continuous growth? It was just slow, continuous growth. Um, gotcha. I wish I could say there's like these giant moments. I think in the beginning of Reels, there's a few spikes in there. If you were on the front end of the Reels kind of roller coaster that we all went on. And then there was probably something in the beginning too that was something like that whenever they'd release a new feature. But after you kind of ride that wave, now Reels is kind of the same as all other content and so you're not really getting promoted that way. Trending audio, sometimes you can ride that wave up a little bit and then the more like buzzworthy posts you do, the more hate mail you get, but the more followers you get. So if you're ever feel like poking the bear, that gets you more followers too. But it's really been a really boring, slow and steady, just consistent. Like I'm pretty good, like just turning content and just like dumping what my brain is, what's on my brain at the time on Instagram. And so it's literally just been consistency. Like I've consistently been there since 2017 and it's kind of happened. There's people that started like last year that have more followers than me and it's ridiculous, but you know, just chugging along and it's just my fun creative outlet. So it's never been really the goal, but it is fun to see it grow. So. So when you say consistency, like, is that like, oh, I need to do 10 posts a day or is it just one post a day or one post every other day? Or like, is there kind of a rule of thumb? Because me, I'm, I'm hanging out over here with my 750 followers <laughs> and then Yoni's, yeah. uh, he's flirting with a couple thousand. And so that's just kind of something that we've been playing yeah. around with. So and if anybody else that's maybe because now like social media absolutely is like a resume now whenever you're looking, especially now right. in like the real estate space, raising private capital, if you want to grow with real estate, it's huge. Like you can find so many people and so many resources through Instagram. So I think people would find some value out of that. Right. Like just kind of like if you, if you had like a two top tips that you could use for somebody for Instagram and trying to like grow their following, what would that be? So I actually have a couple of random things. So first of all is like, I, I'm really terrible at having like a posting content schedule. So some days I'll post absolutely nothing. Other days you get like five things from me and my reels are essentially cannibalizing each other because I'll do like two reels in one day and then they're just like fighting for growth. So in theory, you want to do like one, I think one thing a day. Other people will tell you more. I think that's insanity. But in theory, it doesn't really, you can be a regular and still grow. You just would probably be faster if you did daily postings probably a real like three to five days a week would be the dream amount. But as long as you're just consistent and you show up every week. But the main thing is I have it on a sticky note actually. So wrong one. Let's see. Um, so real estate. Okay. So when you think about Instagram, it's kind of like reality TV. So they want a behind the scenes look, they want to get to know you as a person. And so if you think about 
essentially like stealing little ideas from like Kim Kardashian and all the people like everyone loves to hate. Like people want a behind the scenes look. They want to know who you are as a human being. And so you need to balance like education, but also entertainment. Like you can't just dance on Instagram and suddenly be, a, I mean, people do it, but it's probably not going to be the end. So someday you have to educate and then have some kind of common villain or some kind of thing that people can kind of get behind. Um, so I literally have an education, entertain, and, and a common enemy. It's kind of like your basic plot line to Instagram. And so you just kind of do an array of that and see where it takes you. Give, giving you that. some coal to keep going. Yeah. Um, I read a book by Russell Brunson and he said, throw stones at a common enemy, which is a great yeah. analogy for what you said. Yeah, exactly. So that is what people like. So, and not really how to, but, or like definitional things, because I got into the habit of just making content that was like, what is the 1% rule? What is whatever? And it just seemed really generic. So people want like steps of what you are doing. And that's kind of helpful too. Um, the other thing is engaging with other people. So I have back when I had some sort of strategy whatsoever, like right now I'm just gone rogue. Like I got rid of my social media manager. So like, like everything you see is just me right now. Um, but for a while I had the social media manager and we were doing, um, I made a list of 10 accounts I aspire to be like. So that'd be like your Brandon Turners of the world or whatever. So people in real estate that people know and influencers on Instagram. And then I made a list of like up and comers. So like, I'm really a big fan of bringing people with you as you climb. So I had like a friends list that were like baby accounts, like give them some love. And then a top 10 list of people that essentially have a higher follower count than me that are aspirational that I think are doing awesome things within their niche. And so anytime my social media manager would go and comment on every post those people posted. So there's people that do it with virtual assistants there's people that do it all by themselves so the fi couple if you ever follow them yeah they grew because they commented on everything like if you look on facebook or instagram they're one of the first comments on most people you know on instagram's posts and there's a reason for that that's how they grew and so following and commenting on other people's stuff and getting a dialogue going you'll people will start recognizing your name and know what your opinions are and things so that's probably the best kept secret of Instagram is just really getting to know everybody in your playground. So Sarah, you're bleeping awesome. Continue. <laughs> That's all I got for you. <laughs> Otherwise, um, and then carousels are a thing right now, but everything changes so quick. So for what that's oh, worth, but carousels uh, take a lot of time and reels are decently easy. So yeah, my wife's made a couple of the carousels and she was like, that took me like 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely a lot more work than what it comes off as like, oh, it's just like throw a reel together and it'd be super quick and super easy. And it's like, no, yeah. you can like go down a rabbit hole spending 30 minutes editing and putting the right music to whatever. Yeah. So, okay, but we are um, real bonus, Go ahead. So, bonus, sorry. I guess I'll give you one bonus thing. So the other thing is, so while you're building your social media, don't forget to build your other own list. So in the beginning, like you have to build some kind of email list. So when Instagram goes black for like a day and everyone freaks out, you could still be sending a newsletter to your people if you want to. So Great building tip. something is helpful. Can I, can I ask you a question? I just finished reading a book from Jeff Walker about this. And he talks about how building your following on social media, you don't own that following. Right. Stuff can happen. But what I found early on in the fetch it and personal account journey is when I need more followers at my stage, so I would run it to a landing page. The problem was I started my follower growth slowed and I, I sort of said to myself, well, I'm going to wait until I have 10,000 followers at least, 
before start running it to a landing page and getting their emails. And even though I know that I need to get the emails, I need to at least get a little bit of a following first. Do you have an opinion on that? I don't think you do because I think you should get in the habit of asking for people to follow you now because there's no one more dedicated than your early people. Like, I wish I had like a list of my like OGs so I could drop them a line and be like, hey guys, how's it going? You know, if you're going to be around and you have the longevity, I think it'd be really cool to have your email list from the beginning. Um, I did a really shit job of it. So don't do what I did. My email list is not that big, but I also keep email lists for different groups now. So I guess a couple of random things. So, um, and then we'll get off of social media. But so essentially, if you click on the link in my bio, so that link isn't a link tree, it's actually a landing page on my website. So if you go on Instagram and you go to the link in bio, that's it. essentially I'm driving traffic to my own website, which is something. So instead of driving tra- traffic to link tree, you're driving traffic to yourself. So the one click link in Instagram or now multiple links you can do should go to your own website and you can make your own little version of link tree on your own website and then the other thing mine's way too long but i don't really care someday i'll purge it but at the top of mine i have a couple different email lists i have people who want to get educated and may someday do coaching i don't do any right now but i'm like someday if i lose my job it'd be really cool to like have a list of humans that would like to hand me money for real estate education so i keep a list of people that anytime someone dms me and asks do I do coaching? They get, hey, I might in the future. Here's a link to my list if you want to join the wait list. And then if you want coaching right now, here's an affiliate link to one of my friends who does coaching. And then the other link I have going in my bio is my private money lender list, which is essentially how I'm using Instagram now. So instead of trying to monetize, I'm just using Instagram to build my private money lender list, which we can talk about if you want. Because I've yes. now used Instagram for private money. So that's why having an Instagram or a social media profile when you're a real estate investor is really good. So you want to do that from the beginning. You are very smart person. (laughs) (laughs) That is the method behind the madness because I spend an exorbitant amount of time on Instagram. This is how I justify the time suck. That is my life. (laughs) I I just want to highlight for the audience. We haven't even touched the real estate topic yet. And I'm just so impressed by your understanding of psychology, marketing and social media in different and they're all different so i just want to highlight that you're very unique in this respect and that's the first time we've gotten a master class on eq and and ig if i want to talk in acronyms EQ, yeah intelligence ig meaning instagram so sarah like my back my I brain is be, business I, I wanna, background you want to be your friend <laughs> <laughs> sounds good we're gonna build some houses together who knew <laughs> So private money, that's something that tons of people are interested in. So you kind of like stumbled into the first five properties, then you decided, oh, I actually kind of like this or well, you and your ex-husband kind of stumbled into yeah. property, if you will. And then you were kind of forced into figuring it out, but then you figured out that you did like it. So then how did you start moving forward after that? Like, okay, this was going to be the path that I was going to take, or I knew that I wanted to kind of go in this route or what kind of niche did you find yourself in? Right. So with my ex-husband, I realized we need to do real estate to reach financial independence faster and have, and my income was pretty limited at that time. So I was still working at Parkview. And so I was like, so we sold a house on five acres and bought two houses with that money. And that was kind of how we got started. We downsized from the house that everyone thinks is cool to two tiny postage stamps in LaGrange, Indiana. 
And so that kind of kickstarted things. And then I started cash flowing acquisitions, bought two houses off of Facebook Marketplace and the other three off of uh, the MLS. I'm striking out left and right on Facebook Marketplace, but for a brief moment in time, there was good deals. So don't sleep on Facebook. Um, and so bought five properties and then ended up, so for those of you who don't know, so I had a daughter when, or I had a daughter in 2019. And so when she was three months old, my husband became a drug addict and that was a total surprise. My life like fell apart for about a year and a half and it was super messy. And in the end, during the divorce process, I remember like, I was like 30 years old living with my mom and dad <laughs> with a baby that couldn't walk. Um, and just like piecing my life back together. And so I, we ended up selling all five of those properties. And then that money was actually held in escrow for over, it was like three days short of an entire year. And so for about a year, I had no access to money and we had sold everything. And so I used private money first out of fear. And I went to friends and family and said, I don't want my ex-husband who's not in his right mind right now potentially risking my house where me and my daughter are going to like restart our life. And our daughter needed a safe place to be and it was not a good situation. And so I essentially, my first private money deal was $280,000, which is ridiculous because now I'm just um, borrowing a lot less, which is funny. I kind of went backwards with the plan to turn a single family house with a walkout basement into an up-down duplex. And so for the next year, I renovated that house, made a lot of mistakes, figured out a lot about proper, like, managing a project and how to do things and essentially i'd like put her down at night with uh, baby monitors and walk downstairs in the walkout basement and like work on the basement and so i house hacked for about a year and a half and then moved again into a new house and so that's why i'm in fort wayne now so decided to move and kind of get out of that area and just kind of restart everything over and so I've in the last year, I kind of went gangbusters and I bought 10 units in the last year. So I have seven houses and 14 units now that are all just mine. And I think the second to last acquisition was finally the divorce money house. So I ended up, um, I had private money lined up, but then the divorce money finally came through. So I didn't have to use my private money that I had found, which was nice. And I could use it on something else and actually put like 77,000 down on a duplex or a fourplex. So and then I've kept growing nice. with private money kind of ever since. So, and then I've forayed into off of the friends and family into Instagram and kind of friends and acquaintances to kind of get a more steady cash flow stream after you've tapped out of, you don't want to always be lending for friends and family essentially. I'm building some street cred and just kind of building out like a pipeline where I can just use private money, hopefully in the future to do all my acquisitions. But right now I'm just not there. So to be continued on that but that's the dream currently so so yeah it's uh, just goes to show you not really sure what you're capable of until you have to so you're yeah. in a situation <laughs> where you had to start doing stuff and you, you yeah. obviously killed it so great job yeah. it was fantastic so yeah. um a lot of people are super interested in using private money like everybody on like instagram and stuff like that they're like oh if you don't have any money just go find private money and then use it and it's like okay well like what's step one like through three with that situation a lot of people don't know how to go about like once somebody says hey i want to give you fifty thousand dollars what's like step two and three after that that somebody could follow because there's a lot of people that don't even know like what would happen a lot of people they have friends family whatever that says hey i'd be interested in maybe investing with you but then uh, yeah. usually the the person instructing doesn't go much farther past that so if you're comfortable with it would you mind like kind of sharing yeah. how you go forward from there 
So I learned finding the human to be like, hey, you want 50K is way harder than the actual later part. But for some reason, like my brain always gets stuck on the logistics. So which is kind of what you're getting at. So when you have a human that's like, yes, I'd like to give you $50,000, your first step is really just building the contract around that house. So I have done all of mine. Yeah, all of mine now, um, just on a promissory note which we'll talk about why that's good and bad. Um, so essentially it's a contract. Uh, I have a Frankenstein monster version of several different peoples. Uh, I finally got one from a friend that's actually lawyer reviewed. So I'm getting a little fancier now. Um, not my own lawyer, but grain of salt, we're doing better than we were in the beginning. But essentially it's an agreement from you where you lay out the terms of the loan. So you say like, I, I'm the borrower of the money. This person is a lender. You define who they are. You list out your addresses, the property address, because it's secured, secured. We'll talk about that, um, to a piece of real estate with this lovely piece of paper. And you lay out, like, I'm borrowing $60,000 at, you know, 8% interest for two years. And are you going to get, usually I do interest only payments. Um, I'm doing one right now where I just pay at the end at the balloon. So you name like your term, what the payments will be like, how they'll get the payments. So you lay out all of your pieces and parts in this um, promissory note. You could literally, I don't recommend this, Google like sample promissory note on Google and pull a form and use that. Mm -hmm. um, Might've done that for my first one, but we're getting better every time. So literally I've been docu-signing these promissory notes with people. Now that I'm getting into the world of self-directed IRAs, they want wet signatures on your promissory note. So I'll print it, sign it, and send it to the self-directed IRA company. Um, and then the second piece, which I haven't actually done yet, which is very interesting, um, most people like you to record the notes. So essentially, you have to think of your private money lender is kind of the bank. And so if you go get a mortgage on a house, you're the borrower and the bank is the lender. And so when you take out a mortgage, you have the note that says, like, I will pay my mortgage, I'll pay $1,000 a month, all of that. So that's like your promissory note. And then you also have a deed. So essentially you can record a lien against the property for your private money lender. So essentially you actually record that like with a title company. That's how it works in the state of Indiana. So like if I take your $60,000 and run, David, you can come after me because it's now secured with a lien where you say I have interest in this property and you can have recourse to get your money back. Otherwise it's technically unsecured if you just have the promissory note. So if you just do it how I've been doing it, you have to trust the person borrowing your money that they're not going to like jet out. But there's pros and cons of why you do and don't want to record the lien against the property. So technically it should be a two-part transaction where you formally record that against the house. So then you have recourse and it's a secured note. But I haven't done that for, I think, six times in a row now. So, and a lot of people don't actually. I'm finding out it's probably more unusual to actually record the lien than it is to not. So, and I'm not a lawyer. That's a lot of like guessing and checking. <laughs> so double check your facts. And every state does it a little bit differently. So in Indiana, we use a title company. In some states, they do lawyers and attorneys instead. So it just depends. Yeah. Did that so, make sense um, at all? Yeah, so that's absolutely. like logistically, those are your two parts you need document wise. In theory, you just need a promissory note, which is kind of ridiculously simple how not hard it is to do a promissory note and docu sign it with a free trial and then like be like, hey, want to wire me or the title company some money? And that's about it. <laughs> yeah. So the actual so, transaction is very simple. It's just no one really explains it because it isn't hard once you've done it. But at the time, you're like, how do you? 
do that. So. Exactly right. Yeah. And so uh, if anybody, you know, was really interested in private money, I read, uh, I believe it's Matt Faircloth's book on raising yes. private capital. Yeah, and so. it is fantastic. I was highlighting a lot of stuff, jotting notes down, but essentially everything that you just said boiled down uh, was the the gist of that book. They're, they had some other stuff inside it, but it really is much more simple than people think. But, you know, everybody, including myself, likes to overcomplicate it because they're like, there has to be more to it. But really, right. it's, it's pretty simple. You, especially if you're going to... Um, go the route where it's just promissory note, literally, like you said, super, super simple. Yeah. But if you're going to record the note, I actually talked to one of my friends who works at a title company and she was like, yeah, if you just bring it in, I think it's like a couple hundred bucks and they'll record right. it for you. Mm -hmm. So like really even that, like the more complex version of it, if you will, still is super simple, super cheap. Like, like you said, DocuSign have, have a, an attorney could draft up a note for you for probably a couple hundred bucks, 300 bucks, something like that. Go down to the title company that takes a couple hundred bucks. So less than $500, you could have somebody that's handing you private capital that you can use for a deal and everything is on the up and up and it's all being recorded appropriately. I want to add one thing, David and I, on a personal level, we're looking at doing our first development together and, and we're talking to people. It's like, all right, well, how do we do this? Do we give away equity? And David calls me the other day, like, hell no, no private money, <laughs> man. And I'm like, yeah. cool. And like, so I'm, you're, you're teaching me a lot right now, believe yeah. it or not. David knows a little bit more than me about this. I'm a control freak. And so my dream is to never give away equity. People either tell you that's a terrible idea or the, the best idea you've ever had. And it just depends what camp they're in. So yeah, um, I'm not sure if you, uh, if you're, you probably learned from the same guy uh, that I did about private money. If you talk to Jay, I'm not sure if you did or not. I just took Jay out for lunch yesterday. Oh, really? So that was my <laughs> next piece of like networking. And so yeah, last right. Thursday, me and Jay went out for lunch and we talked about how he's doing note investing, which is fascinating because I wanted to learn about that just because I don't understand it, but it's not that different than this. But, but I, the reason I asked was yeah. because he was one of the people I talked to and I was talking about like, oh yeah, we'll just be 50-50 with, you know, whoever we bring on as private money for equity and cash flow. He's like, why the hell are you giving away your equity? And I'm like, oh, I thought that that was just the way things were done. And he said, no, he's like, those aren't the people you want to find. You want to find the people that just want to make a nice return on their cash. And then he said, they're out yeah. there. There's tons of people out there. And really all you need to do, I think uh, whenever he did a talk at the real estate association meet, he was saying that I think he basically has like a, a top 10 or top 12 list of people that he's done a lot of business with so you really don't need like a ton of people and if you think about all the people that you know that have high net worths or their doctors or they just retired or the self-directed ira which i'd love to talk to a little bit because i've never yeah. done that and i know that's a super interesting niche of using people's private money because then it's not like coming out of their checking accounts per se right. it's not like they're seeing the money leaving they can't even touch it so actually if you don't mind just touching on self-directed iras because that's a super interesting niche in the private money world yeah, and it's also ridiculously easy. Like I was shocked how much, how essentially you need the same, like I did the exact same paperwork with my family members that I did with the self-directed IRA company, except my paperwork's gotten a bit fancy as I've grown. And so I, yeah, so essentially you talk to an investor and say they want to lend $50,000. And so if someone, I guess, how do you even get in this position? So if someone has an IRA, so an IRA, you can either contribute to an IRA fund just because you're contributing every year or you can roll over an old 401k from a previous employer so like all of my old companies i've left i roll them into iras and so my money's sitting in my ira and then so we always talk about like iras being buckets and so that's just your bucket but then within that bucket you have to have stuff in there and a lot of times when you roll it over it just sits there in cash like literally like a bank account but it's not really making any interest so that sucks so you have to buy something with 
I don't know, those eggs in your basket or whatever metaphor you prefer. And so essentially, you, most people think, oh, I'm going to buy stocks. Like you think you have to buy stocks or bonds within an IRA. And so you don't have to do that, actually. You can do what's called a self-directed IRA. And so there's companies out there that are like real estate investing type self-directed IRA companies. And so you can literally look that up online. And so essentially what people will do is instead of buying index funds or whatever you're choosing to buy, you roll the IRA. So all your money is still within your IRA. You roll it to a self-directed IRA company. So we think of like the vanguards or the fidelities of the world. There's a whole list of other companies that are self-directed IRA companies. And so when the, your, once your money is with it, that company, they will lend money on real estate. And then the first thing is people are like, oh, do you pay all these taxes when you withdraw the money? But the money's not being withdrawn. It's still held within the IRA. So the IRA company itself will like wire money to the closing company when I buy real estate, essentially. So if I'm going to borrow $40,000, they'll wire $40,000 to the title company. And then I send them back interest only checks. And so that's literally how it works. It's very simple. So we do a promissory note. I do wet signature on the promissory note, send it overnight mail. I just did this yesterday <laughs> to the self-directed IRA company. And then you give them the wire instructions and they wire 40K to said title company. And then you pay them back in interest only payments. And that's the interest on the money they've lent. All right. I got I to gotta dig into this one. If that makes sense. There are people self-directed self -directed IRAs or you teach them how to convert. Yeah. Have you met people through socials that, that have bought that? Tell me about that. So for everyone who knows, Sarah just gave us a master class on what a self-directed <laughs> IRA is, but then, but then talk a little bit about like a, maybe a story is it would be inspirational for a lot of people, how like. People are very into like doom and gloom, the world is ending, technology, da, da, but talk a little bit of how technology connected you to people and enabled right. them to use their money and to, for, for real estate with you. Uh, right. Talk about that. So I started talking about deals I was doing with friends and family. So I did three loans from friends and or from family. And then I did one loan with a coworker who was essentially like a higher, getting to be a higher network and worth individual. And she just had money sitting cash. And so we brought a property together and I talked about that a ton on social media and people got to hear that. And I started getting DMs of people asking like, how do you do this? And so just from Instagram, I don't even know how exactly, I think I posted like I have a deal and I got a list of like five or six people. I called three of them and that had the right amount of money that I needed. And one of them, it just, we really hit it off. She's like, I'm looking for a more hands-off way to buy real estate. My husband and I have some properties. We are real estate investors. My husband you know, makes a lot of money. He's not really interested in being hands-on. I'm getting driven crazy by our property manager in Pennsylvania. I just don't wanna invest anymore with like money here you seem to love this we'll give you a loan and so we set it up at i think eight or nine percent interest only payments for two years so with her self-directed ira company she wired me forty thousand. i used that to buy the house and remodel it and now she makes like 300 i think 300 dollars a month ish for the next two years or if i refi out sooner um so to pay her off i'm cash flowing her payoff eventually so working on that but right now she's collecting interest only payments but 
I literally have it like auto paid through my bank account where I just send a check every single month to her um, self-directed IRA company. And so her interest on her investment is the $300 interest only payments. And then at the two year end of the balloon, I'll repay back the 40,000 either by cash flowing it a little bit every so many months or I'll refi back out or find some way. I'm also doing a flip right now or eventually doing a flip. Um, this I'm going to pay off one of them. So you could also flip a house to pay off. So there's different ways. Um, and then eventually I'm going to pay off her full balloons. Then she'll have her 40K back. And then the goal would be that we reinvest that. And then maybe she'll feel comfortable enough with it once it's been repaid once to be like, so how much do you have in your 401k <laughs> or self-directed IRA now that we could use? So I was just going to yeah. say, yeah, whenever, whenever the time comes yeah. for the balloon, she'll probably be like, okay, let's do this right. all over again. So I have 40,000 with her for two years. And one of my other friends has a hundred thousand from her for six months. And so I'm trying to get my butt in gear to get her paid off because I, I think there's more opportunity for us to work together. And she really likes it because they don't want to keep chunking so much money into the stock market. The stock market is kind of a hot mess right now. If you haven't paid attention to the world. Yeah. Uh, and so with a looming fear of recession, I think this could be really good timing to kind of get more into an alternative like asset investing class. So. so one quick question on like the technicality of it. So whenever you're moving it from a 401k to a self-directed IRA, does the self-directed IRA company like help guide that transaction or does it cost anything? They just wire money. So it's the cost of a wire transfer. Interesting. That is so interesting. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's that's something that a lot of people. No, I just gave them of... wiring instructions. They're like, and they were like, "Do you want it to go to your bank account or the title company?" I'm like, I feel like the title company. I just feel weird being like, "Wire me at like forty thousand dollars." So I've just been that. doing it that way. I was gonna yeah. ask that. I'm like, are they like? Is it like only title or like would they actually wire it to you? That's crazy that they would wire it to you. I think that should almost be like not. But like, I don't, we did not go into it because I'm like, I feel more kosher about it going to title. And then I like round numbers. So I usually do like 40,000 or 60,000. So like my flip house, I'm borrowing 60,000. And so I have them wire the full amount and then title company or like the title company will write me a check at closing for any extra. And then that's my remodel money. So I do walk away from closing with a check, but it's not like, like I'm paying interest on that money, but that's essentially how I get my overage to do remodel and anything I need to do to the house. Yeah, I, I think that's that's like it feels very... better going through title. I don't yes, know why absolutely. I just yeah. <laughs> well, but I think the self-directed IRA and like I think that route is super important for people to try to get a better grasp on and understand because there's tons of people that, oh, yeah, I've got 200, 300, $400,000 in my 401k because I've worked at X company for 40 years or something like that. And then they can't touch that money until they hit retirement. And so if they wanted to like have a little bit of extra coming out of that, they could then you know, transfer some of that money to the self-directed IRA. That self-directed IRA money can make a little bit more. But from the way I understand it, they don't get to they don't get like that interest money that your person is getting. I don't think they right. get to play with that until no. they pull it out of uh, retirement. So it's basically like right. they're, they're getting to, to play with a toy that they normally don't get to play with until retirement time. So they get to use this money to make right. even more money uh, at, in the meantime. And it's not like they're looking at their savings account and like, oh, I've got 50 grand in my savings. I'm going to yank all this cash out and give it to somebody. That just feels worse than like, oh, I can't even right. touch the 401k. Why not do something with it? And it can't be active it can't be your active jobs 401k. It has to be an old 401k because it has to be able to be rolled over. So just in case anyone doesn't, gotcha. know, okay. I guess it's listening. So it can't be like your current, like I couldn't like pull money out of my current 401k at my job and put it in an IRA. You can't do that. You have to do it when you leave the company. So it has to be like old 401ks or old IRAs.
So, but gotcha. yeah. good to know. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So if you've okay. been like, if you're the person that's been at the same job for 40 years and you don't have an IRA, then you're kind of stuck unless you want to like suddenly quit that employer. Jump so, over to somebody else. So yeah. You can use it all. But yeah, you exactly true though. Like you can't play with that money. You're not going to see the interest, but it will grow. And so essentially if you trust real estate and you trust that that person's not going to default on you, then you have a, an eight to 10% interest rate is kind of what I'm seeing right now. Um, I know a lot of people like experienced people that have a very specific list of investors, people like Jay that we talked about, people like my friend, Mark McMahon, if you guys don't follow him, like they have people, they're getting private money a lot cheaper than I am, but I'm in the growing and making friends phase. So they're more in the five to 7% range, which is like the dream. Can you speak about that a little bit? So like, this feels a little bit like your network is your net worth. Vibe. Yeah. Can you, can you get into this? Like for the, speak to the rookie that wants to get in the room, which is most people. Just don't stop talking about using private money. Except I did get people calling me being like, Hey, you're doing really well using private money. How do I do that with, for like random things? And I'm like, no, no, this is like real estate secured. I bet the shit out of these houses. Can I say that on your podcast? <laughs> and so I'm really picky on that and like what deals I'm doing. So for me in the beginning, so I essentially, I have a, I can always send you guys, or if anyone wants it, I have like a credibility packet that I send out and a PowerPoint I go over with investors. So I go over all the, like kind of a rough rundown of like how many times I borrowed private money, how much I borrowed, how much I paid back, which is very important because a lot of people are borrowing a shitload of private money and no one's paying it back yet. And I'm like, that's the hard part is using the money is a lot easier than the actual paying it off. Um, and so having a plan for that is really important. So the last slide of my PowerPoint, I go over like exit strategies and options of how to get back out of the money. So people feel comfortable giving their investment because I've seen a lot of people talk about deals and their exit strategies suck. And so that's really important. So I have a whole like PowerPoint template that I use to go over with investors. So like my initial call with people is usually a Zoom call where I go through and do like if it's a specific house, I go through the full details of the house. Um, I've gone over past deals with people just so they can get to know me and what I've done. But I use that as like my big tool to kind of get people comfortable. Um, and just talking to people about like, I'd love to go over this to you. Even if you like want to practice, like I've practiced on friends and family members and just been like, I don't know if you're interested, but of anyone that's interested. And that's a very Jay thing to say. He always says like, I don't know, like doctor, if you're not interested, Absolutely. but do you know of anyone that is? So that's a very big Jay phrase uh, to use where you just have to start asking someone, even if it's like, hey, this is going to be really awkward the first time. Can I just practice on you? Because like you're savvy and whatever. Can we just like talk through it and then just see if they think it's a good idea? I've also talked, so when I started out with family, I had someone lending to me at like a 12%, essentially like hard money rate. And they were like, dear God, you're really going to pay 12%. We can do better than that. And that's how I got my first family member to invest was like, they were mortified that I would spend X amount of interest rate on this loan. And they said, we can do it cheaper than that. And so that's how I got my first private money was I was going to use hard money and they were mortified and so that's a good way too. if you just say like, this is insane. Can you do anything better? <laughs> it's also a good option. Fantastic. So, so we've kind of touched on the portfolio. Uh, you said it was started out with five and then you just bought 10 doors in the last 12 months, which is yeah. crazy. And so it yeah. seems like you've like poured on the jet fuel right now. What does like the next two years look like for Sarah King? Just trying to strategize. So I have my little to-do list or my little goals of the year. Um, and I really just need to slow down and kind of stabilize things. So 
my goal was to like actually feel economies of scale so you guys will appreciate this like they talk about like an apartment complexes when people talk about their commercial investments they're like you need economies of scale and then i've talked to investors that actually do commercial real estate and they're like okay yeah you have one roof but it's a giant roof like the price tag on replacing this giant ass roof might be the same as replacing like 10 roofs on single family homes and so you just kind of have to pick your poison i'm a really conservative investor so i'm kind of picky so i would really like more long term i have a very specific plan for like my long term rentals that i do and so i'm just trying to find a lot more of those and so on the hunt for long-term rentals always looking for midterms it's really freaking hard right now to find anything that cash flows because the market's so competitive and so i am a failed wholesaler i wholesaled for a whole like one month i think i've sent like 20 yellow letters ever in my life i'm really bad at it i had a whole list of like deals that needed phone calls and i just sat on them for a month and did nothing because i didn't want to make the phone calls and so i i don't like doing it and so this year has been about networking so i'm on people's mind for them to bring me deals because i don't want to go find them and so i've been trying to take someone out to lunch like once a week including my title person that taught me how to do the promissory notes and was like it's not that bad so if you're ever afraid of private money and have logistics work take your local friendly title company person to lunch and have her explain it to you because they're really helpful um, and I pulled her from our local real estate page. So I just messaged her. I'm like, hey, I can see you're on our real estate investor group regularly talking about like use us as your title company. And we had like a th one hour lunch turned into three hour lunch and it was a really good time. And so and then they would recommend, oh, if you talk to so and so. And so that's how I've done like lunch with Jay. And I've just been kind of networking my way through with anyone that's a wholesaler anyone and i've gotten into taking property managers out for lunch too because they always know when landlords are selling off units Ooh, that's and good. so that's hard. so right now i'm just trying to build my deal funnel without having to actually build a deal funnel because wholesaling sucks and it's just a big time suck and i work full time um didn't mention that uh so i have a w2 job still so i don't have time to do deal acquisition and like talk grandma off the ledge and all of that for days at a time yeah I, I, did have the no wholesale. Patience. <laughs> I did the wholesale thing for like six months and got one deal out of it and i was like i don't think i'm ever doing this ever again it is no. a grind it's a full-time job especially when you're in a hot market and everybody's like i'll just put it on the market like why not then you have right. to really really find like, why wouldn't i just list it i'm like i don't know <laughs> you should funny too funny okay so we've been cruising right along for almost 45 minutes. So now we're going to kind of get into some of our closing questions. And so one of my favorite questions that I ask people is what is your favorite deal that you have done thus far in your real estate investing career? I mean, there are some that are cooler and some that are boring. So um, we'll give you two. Probably I bought 22 acres of land off of Facebook. That was cool. Um, there was this couple. Well, I, I tried to get seller finance it and they said no. And then I had to figure out how to buy it because they want to go on like a fancy cruise and retire and then pay off their sports car and be done. And so I took out like an agricultural loan on 22 acres of land with my ex-husband. That was one of the five properties we had together. And it was originally going to be either a build or like a we were going to do some kind of development thing. And then we ended up selling it. And so I held it, bought off of Facebook, held it for a year and sold it and doubled my money on a piece of land. So oh. I made a hundred thousand dollars on twenty-two acres. <laughs> I 
So that was that's cool. a good one. Yep, that's that was the coolest one. one I think I've done because of how it was acquired. And then the best deal I ever have is a little duplex in the 05. So for this Fort Wayne, I bought it for 130. It's an up down duplex. It's an MTR. And usually I make anywhere between three to four thousand dollars a month out of it, which is awesome. So there's been some weak months like about August or no. October, November was like a rough time in the midterm market in Fort Wayne. And so I was like, why does anyone do this? This is ridiculous. And then it's fine now. But that house cash flow is over $1,000 a month on a $130,000 house. And it's just cool to have those. So that one was a huge rehab, but it was fun. I like that one a lot. So that's my like OG house I specifically bought to do as a midterm rental. So yeah, well, that uh, anytime cool. that people like us from the Midwest go and we talk about buying a place for yeah. 100 grand and we cash flow a thousand dollars a month on it they like right. fall out of their tears right <laughs> it's, yeah. it's always I, good for me. love it i also feel like i'm a cynic because i look at other people's deals and i'm like this is terrible but again <laughs> it's, you have to be patient to pick up deals like that like that was an off mls house right. so but again i haven't seen one of those come up in the 05 in eight months so yeah. you you find them eventually if you're patient <laughs> or you try to develop out a off-market deal funnel by paying a lot of people for lunch. Yeah. <laughs> so I think those are my two. I think, yeah, yeah I've, I've done some random things, but those are probably my favorite two. Amazing. Yeah. The land one's amazing. The land, yeah. the land one's legend. The land, the land one's legend. I, I just keep thinking to myself, it's, you you have a really unique, wide skill set. Who do you learn from at this stage? Who's your expert in your niche? Specifically, like the thing that I'm wondering about is like, do you have somebody on social media that you look up to about social media, about real estate that you learn that you look and you're like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to take, I'm going to do that move. I'm going to do that move. I'm going to do that move. Like, is there anybody like, I know I'm going to, I'm going to use some of your moves going forward. So <laughs> who's a, who's somebody that you look up to? Um, so I have a couple people, so they're kind of like niche. They're not like the big guys because they always build out these giant businesses and I don't really want that. That's not really my lifestyle goal. So I really like Chad Carson. If you guys like, he's probably the most well-known of the three I'll talk about. So he's published financial independence to real estate is one of the bigger pockets books. Um, Chad Carson's an awesome guy. He's from South Carolina and he has a really nice portfolio. He built his all with a partner. But he always talks about like what the enough amount is on a property and how much you don't need. So he's going to publish a book later this year called like the small and mighty real estate investor. And so that's going to be really cool. And so that's kind of coming in the pipeline. And so he's just a really cool guy to follow just because I, I like that more than the 20 unit. So it's just like, at what point do you have the economies of scale where your income is consistent and a furnace doesn't like grind your whole portfolio to a stop um, and take all of your money and leave you with nothing <laughs> for the month because it's really hard to get enough units where you don't feel when something breaks being a problem. Um, and so we talk a lot about that. And then my other buddy is Mark McMahon. He's out of California. Um, but he is kind of my main guy right now because he he does his whole portfolio using private money. And he's taught me like all of his kind of ins and outs of that. Um, and he's just a really cool dude. He does a lot of Instagram stuff. He has some courses and different things he does. But him and his wife are both real estate investors. Like she has her own portfolio. And so they're just a really cool couple to learn from. But he kind of structures private money and he doesn't have like any bank loans, I think now. And I think he's at like 50% equity in his portfolio, which is pretty nice, but he's about 10 to 15 years ahead of where I want to be, but something similar to what he's doing where 
he's starting to like have the lifestyle benefits of that. Um, and I actually got to know him from his buddy. So I don't know if you guys remember like real, uh, Rick Jarman, he passed away, but he was real estate old school on Instagram. He was awesome. So him and I were really good buddies and that's how I met Mark. And then he passed away from COVID actually, which was super sad. Was but he, he kind of always had the big cigar? He was the big cigar guy. Yes, I don't know what yeah. you're talking about. He was super cool. Yeah, so him and I used to talk all the time. He used to be my phone a friend person when I had problems. And so building out a portfolio kind of similar to his was the goal. And so, yeah, he had about 100 units and just talking about like how he built that out and how he developed it. And we spent a lot of time talking about being mindful of like the types of properties you buy and how do we do reduce turnover? How do you make it easier to manage? Like, what do you want it to look like? Like kind of pruning out the houses you love and don't love from that and just like how many is that enough point to really have like financial stability from real estate because it's kind of a slow game but i kind of take bits and pieces out of everyone and then i have a buddy or a couple that i love too that she does like business coaching with me so whenever i'm having like emotional meltdown or like a moment of anxiety she's my phone friend so we talked last week actually because i was having a minute where so she and her husband are debt-free real estate investors now. So they've paid off their entire portfolio. And I think they have 30 to 40 houses. They've done it on the Oregon coast. And the cool thing about them is they've done all manufactured housing, which is really, really interesting. Um, and now they are going through all their manufactured houses and are selling them back to their tenants. So mm. they're like doing this path to home ownership. It's their like retirement plan and then they're investing in like South Dakota now to diversify out of Oregon since Oregon's kind of a mess. So they're pretty cool. But I, I always liked like the totally debt-free sleep well at night plan someday when I get to that point. But like right now I'm in the building phase where that's just not going to be an option. So yeah. But... love that. Yeah. So uh, Chad Carson, I, I, was, I didn't recognize the name whenever you first mentioned it, but then yeah. I remember once you said the book, I was like, oh yeah, I read that book laying in a hammock in California. And so I yeah. was like, oh, that was a good memory. And it really did help like jog my memory or my, my thought process whenever I read it. Cause it was like, yeah, how much really is enough? Because, you know, if you've got somebody that, oh, I've got 2000 units, but I work 80 hours a week at it, right. or I've got 20 units and I live a great lifestyle and I work two hours a week at it. Who's really the one that's doing better in life? In my opinion, I think the latter. And so I, I agree with that. So that book was fantastic. Love that book. Do you have any other books that you like to recommend to people? Like what was a book that you read in the past that, you know, was like, wow, that was a light bulb book for me. It's all personal finance books. <laughs> which no one wants to hear. If you haven't read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, um, that book is really good. Um, I like The Simple Path to Wealth. It teaches you how to do index funds. I do that also. Um, that's like the best like foundational, how do you manage your money book. And then I also really like Paula Pant. This is, that's not a book. She's a podcaster and she does the Afford Anything podcast, but she's a little more finance. But she was one of the first like female investors I really followed who was like, I'm not handy. I don't want to work on this myself. And she hired out everything and she would just like go on Reddit and learn about real estate markets to be like, I'm relocating to Indianapolis, Indiana. Where, where should I go and where should I avoid? And people would like tell her where to shop for houses and what zip codes. And then she would go and invest in these markets. So she would use like Reddit as a forum to like learn how to be an out-of-state investor. And it was just really cool. And then she was totally hands-off because it was all long distance. She lived in Las Vegas and then Atlanta for a bit. And so, yeah, she just kind of built her portfolio, but also like a smaller portfolio, but it gave her the lifestyle she wanted. And then she like has a real estate investing program, which does really ridiculously well. So yeah, she's a cool lady to follow if you are ever in it. She's extremely I, smart. 
We, we think you're a cool lady to follow. <laughs> well, thank you. So you, it, uh, this is something I've been wanting to ask. What do you think the, ha the habit that you have or personality trait you have that has gotten, it's really what habit, but like some people don't like that question, but what, what do you think has gotten to you where you are right now? I don't like the word no. <laughs> I don't know. I always, I've always had bad answers for this. I'm like, I'm really determined. Um, I don't give up. And if people tell me I can't do something, then I'll figure out a way how to do it. Um, I think that's just so I'm grit extremely right there. That's yeah. Grit, it's, stubborn, it's all just, it's, it's the best and worst qualities. And I also have no patience. That is definitely the speed at which I've gone is because I want it. I want to feel the financial freedom now and it's really hard to build that fast and so i just want to like have that lifestyle yesterday and to be like in the grind i i just wanted to go quicker and so that's kind of why i went gangbusters in the last year but and now i'm actively trying to slow down and it's really hard but the market is very humbling right now because everything's really expensive in our area right now and it's hard to find deals there's just a very limited inventory so the market's kind of helping me slow down in a way. I love that. I'm, I'm making myself slow down. That's funny. Yeah. Um, My okay. dream right now is to actively slow down. Um, I I don't usually watch TV and I'm like making my, like we're working through Game of Thrones right now and I've never watched it before because I don't ever watch television. I haven't in like years, but I'm, that's part of my stop buying real estate. So I'm like making myself do hobbies that I think are... Well, yeah. at least at least it's a My good. People series. are wasting all their time on television, and now I'm like, I'm gonna make myself sit still. It's not going well. You, you got your you got your time back. Yeah. Yeah. Ish. Um, I'm trying okay. to trying to keep it. Yeah. Um. So our last question that we have is kind of a two parter. So, uh, what kind of struggles are you having in your business right now? How could our help or how could our listeners help you with that? And then, where can people find out more about you? Ask your first question again. I think you glitched a little bit. Oh, we'll restart that, that for your pod. Do you sorry edit this? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so, <laughs> Do that um, again because it's going to sound bad when you go back and listen. Yeah. What kind of struggles are you having in your business right now? And then how could listeners help you with that? And where can people find more about you and get in contact with you? My biggest hurdle right now is finding the right private money partner, I would say. So... Instagram draws a younger crowd. Like I feel like there's a really good group of people that are like millennial-ish age, but we, I call it like we have a, I have a young private money problem where people are like for a long time, everyone that wanted to lend that I could find was lending off of HELOCs. And if you haven't noticed, there was an interest rate bloodbath happening right now. And so all these HELOCs became extremely in unattractive to borrow from. And so people took out HELOCs at like four or 5% and now have HELOCs at like 9%. And then we're asking for lending private money on a variable rate. And I'm like, absolutely not. That's insanity. And so I needed to find some other source of private money besides loaned money. And I wanted it not to be revocable and have that get messed up. And so that's kind of how I ended up going after these self-directed IRAs and just trying to find a bigger pool of money to pull from because lately I've been borrowing down payments and remodel monies and in Indiana that can be like $40,000 or $60,000 but I'd love to get to the point where a hundred percent of a property is purchased with that money so that's kind of the goal right now is just to find private money in larger increments that I can churn faster. So that's kind of what I'm actively working on and then hoping the deals kind of go with that. So very nice. So if there's some uh, 60 year old whale out there, that's got all kinds of cash that send uh, over, over Sarah's way. So where can, where can people find out more about you? Where can they follow you? 
Uh, I pretty much live on Instagram. I still answer all my DMs, so go over there. If I don't answer you, you've gotten, like, lost in, like, DM purgatory or who knows. You're, like, in my spam folder that I'm really bad at checking. Um, but I'm under Nerds Guide Defy or FI on Instagram. Technically, I have, like, a web page. I also have a podcast that I've neglected for, like, the last two years, so it's out there. I think there's, like, 25 episodes, um, so you can go listen to that. All the people that I've talked about as like being like um people i look up to i've done episodes with all of them which is pretty badass so you can go listen to those and they're excellent so very interesting i did not know that i'll have to go yeah. find what's, what's it's the under the same name podcast? so oh, under the same handle yep beautiful very beautiful. easy to find. all right all right yoni where can people find more about you brother at yonitz and waxman and at fetchit.ai fetch it is the channel name on youtube for david and i for the podcast we're only on YouTube right now because we want to build up one channel really strong. Just trying to follow Russell Brunson's advice. We'll see if it works. Yeah. And uh, yeah, David, how about you? All right. Then I am David Rosenbeck, R-O-S-E-N-B-E-C-K. Give us a follow. Let's see if we can yeah. get to a small percentage of the, the Nerds Guide Defy uh, <laughs> kingdom that she has over there. All right. Sarah, any other closing thoughts before we get you out of here? I think that's it. But yeah, send me a message. Nice to meet all of you guys. And yeah, excited to follow each other and watch you guys build some houses in this or house in the Smokies. That'll be awesome. Very Hopefully. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Very nice. All right. Thank you so much, Sarah, for coming on. This is another episode of the Venture Podcast. We'll see you guys later.